Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, I'm sure, we are back. This is the 411 Music Zone podcast, and I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. After a summer break, we are back to conclude the thrash metal zone, one of the big four, part two of the Megadeth. Podcast. Now one And here to help me 
discuss the last seven albums of Megadeth's career right before their latest release, Super Collider, which of course we'll be reviewing in two weeks. Here he is, folks, one of the three beards, the metal coop, Robert Cooper. How do you do? I do dandily. I'm so happy to be back on here and talking about one of my favorite bands of all time and just listening to Mark facepalm while he has to go through some of these albums. You know, it's been it's been an interesting experience. Um, I have to say, I'm going to go away and give away the ending of this podcast and tell you that you've actually turned me on to Megadeth, just not some of the albums we're going to talk, talk about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I kind of, you, you had to start with Megadeth, the yuck years, <laughs> as, as you would luckily put it. But it's really kind of weird because, like, I feel like Megadeth has done what a lot of bands aren't very good at doing, which is starting almost like a second career in a genre. Because, you know, after System is out, I'm basically giving away the ending, but if you're listening to this podcast, I highly doubt you don't know what we're talking about. Basically, after System has failed, they really hit their stride until, well, Super Collider. <laughs> it, it is amazing to me how much Megadeth and Metallica uh, mirror each other. And with with Metallica putting out substantially less albums, for sure, but they both started out as one of the two of the big four of thrash metal, and they both hit a point where they changed tracks from strictly thrash, like they'd almost gone as far as they could go in thrash, and then switched to a more mainstream sound, put out a couple of platinum-selling albums, while at the same time... Um, changing tempo, changing themes, changing musical stylings. And then both of them hit a lull where they were aggravating more fans than making more fans, and then both come back. Now, granted, Metallica came back with one single album, and that was Death Magnetic, whereas uh, Megadeth put out two or three albums towards the end of the, the seven-album series that were damn good and really a return to form while still sounding very, very mature. So, you know, it's going to be a fun ride tonight discussing the uh, the last seven albums. And then in two weeks, I'm going to drive a fucking stake through my head as I have to put up uh, with uh, Super Collider. But can, can I just put my head right beside yours so maybe it's the bolt gun can kill us both? Because <laughs> as you'll hear, even these mediocre albums, I'll defend them. This new one, I can't. I, I cannot. Like, I was talking to, you know, Jeremy, the music editor. I'm like, dude, so half-assed. He's like, yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Like, and I've never said that about an album. Maybe that's out. Never right, said I felt half-assed. I, I, I don't want to do that podcast tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we have an entire right, well, podcast I mean, where we can take a giant shit all over Super Collider. Tonight, let us... Yeah, yeah. Let, well, I was just going to piggyback on what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. About... Uh, how the sales actually after euthanasia that was their high point after that the sales actually tanked i thought Believe they had not, they, i thought cryptic writing still went platinum it's after cryptic writing things start to go downhill yeah yeah i think that did go platinum but euthanasia was their selling like basically it was the last time i think they were in the top five or at least uh yeah something like that and then cryptic writings did you know it did pretty solid and then risk was like Ugh. The risk was right around that time where that like kind of mix of hard rock and metal that they were trying to pull off, which I think they did better than Metallica, if you ask me. But, you know, we'll get to that when we get there. But I think that a style they were playing was really going out of uh, 
you know, kind of going out of taste because, you know, like old heavy metal was actually starting to come back at that era. Like, you know, Iron Maiden is, had reformed with uh, Bruce Dickinson not long after that. And, you know, Judas Priest was getting almost with Alfred, you know, about three, four years down the road. But I, I think it was really good that uh, in 04, both Metallica and Megadeth did try to go back to their roots. And, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the stand here. Mr. Robert Cooper, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you my uh, my George Zimmerman. If you know anything about what's going on in Florida right now, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the stand, uh, maybe unfairly, but but this but this is uh, what we're gonna do tonight. And I'm gonna tell you that while some of the last seven albums of Megadeth were quite good, some of them were fan of Middle and some of them made me want to drive my car off the road. My question to you is this. <laughs> When I uh, made you sit down and listen to all the Clutch albums, it wasn't a bad Clutch album at all. There wasn't an, there wasn't a Clutch album that made me like, yep, this one I have to kill myself. There, there is no other way. Um, and to this day, that is one of the reasons why they remain one of my favorite bands of all time. Megadeth is like a drunk driver. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just all over the fucking road, and maybe they kill a child, and maybe they don't. But they're still... The, you know, it's it's such a wide expanse from you know from good to bad to to Midland. I have to ask you, why are they still your favorite band? What is it about this band that you are keying into in even their darkest moments? Ha ha ha! In, in their darkest hours, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, uh, I see what you did there. But in comparison, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, in comparison to like a band like Clutch, I'd say they're around a good almost 10 years longer, and that is more time for shitty albums, and the genre was a little more extreme, but why they are still my favorite band, like, their 80s stuff is, in my opinion, some of the best thrash you'll find, then the 90s stuff, you'll have Countdown, love Countdown, Euthanasia, very, very good album, Cryptic Writings was solid, and Risk, I'll defend that later, but I think it's okay, now when you look at We'll Need the Hero, it's, it is pretty, almost a low point, I almost argue that it's worse than Risk, but after that, it's pretty solid fare. And I feel like, especially if you're like you know a huge fan of the band like I am, even their you know, stuff that people would be like, that wasn't that good. I'm like, okay, I can dig that. It's I just feel like their consistency and sound is not, you know, they're not always consistent in sound, but I feel like their quality is at least there. Like, you know, if you buy a Megadeth album, usually you're going to be like, okay, I got what I asked for. You know, once you listen to the lead single, you usually know what you're in for as we found out this new album. But, I mean, it's, I really I really like their old stuff. I really like their new stuff. The stuff in the middle is actually passable. I feel like, not to delve too much into the Metallica comparison, but I feel like they do a better job in comparison, you know, like a band like Metallica, whose 80s stuff lauded as the best you'll find, and then their 90s stuff is really, well... It's it's kind of uh, it depends on who you're talking to, and then they're two thousand. Well, talking to me right is, now, and I will tell you that I didn't have the problem with reload that a lot of other people had. I, I didn't no, have the problem with reload that a lot of people had. I, I mean, Saint Anger was probably their world needs a hero, um, <laughs> and even after watching the uh, some kind of monster documentary, if you can get past the tinniness of Saint Anger itself. The rest of the album's actually not that bad. Saint Anger is just very off-putting. I can't, the rest- get, I can't get past the vocals. 
Well, yeah, whereas I, Metallica did one album after St. Anger, Megadeth have gone, what, one, two, three, four, almost five albums after. So I feel like they have a little more time to redeem themselves. Okay. And that is that is yeah. a fair argument. You may you may step down, sir. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hopefully. I wish we had the same media circus around this. You know, that'd be great. <laughs> we would. Megadeth fan put on, put on spot. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't have to incessantly tweet that we're doing these things in order to get people to listen if we had the same media circus. Um, though I wish we had had uh, one woman who they, who, who they uh, had on the stand yesterday who now there's memes comparing her to oh, Jabba the Hutt. Oh, God. <laughs> was she, I, I didn't see anything, but I heard she was rolling her eyes and just being yeah. kind of a total bitch to everybody. Yeah, she, she, was, like, she, looked, she was acting like the neighborhood she is from. She was like, oh, 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 <laughs> I think she at one point said, that's real retarded to the lawyer, which is awesome. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. I don't know whose side, she, I don't know whose side they were trying to get her, you know, trying to pull with her, but I, I'm pretty sure they shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. She, I think she was a witness for the prosecution, and they're still winning despite her, from what I understand. Uh-huh. But this is not... This is not the George Zimmerman podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about Yeah, that wouldn't writing. go so well. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Cryptic Writing came out June 17th, 1997. It follows 1994's Euthanasia. And it's much in the same style, as near as I could tell. It, it still felt like they were trying desperately to hold... They were trying desperately to call themselves a heavy metal band while still put, putting out a mainstream-sounding hard rock album. I don't yeah. hate this album... I just, I think I was very much longing for more Rust in Peace, much like I'm sure people were longing for more uh, uh, Master of Puppets and and Justice for All. And it's just, you know, I got another hard rock album out of this, and that was kind of my thing with it. It was, it was like, it, I felt very much like it's fine. What's n- <laughs> I was I was uh, one of the characters from a Mel Brooks movie. Okay, faggot, what's next? <laughs> Yeah, I could I could see that. Honestly, I feel like they do a better job at least staying closer to their roots than I guess Mega Metallica did at the time. Because you know, what didn't reload Reload came out in ninety seven. This one still has a few songs that I would say aren't like great thrash. I'd say they're like weak thrash. Like Disintegrators was great, Vortex, uh Fight okay. for Freedom. Let me, let me stop you there. Because you brought up the song that you wanted to play. So let's let's go ahead and hear an example of what Rob Robert thinks is still a great song and um, is, is a defense of my, I don't call myself harsh. I don't think I was being harsh, but maybe. Uh, just your point. <clears throat> huh? Yeah, I was just basically like, basically it's my counter argument to, well, your argument, your opinion. Yep. Um, so let's go ahead. This is The Disintegrators from Cryptic Writings.
You're absolutely right. That maintains the thrash punk sort of uh, veneer very, very nicely. I think my problem here was that it was track five. And after oh, Trust... Uh, yeah. <laughs> after yeah, listening like to Trust, Trust, which I like, which we're going to listen to next, and then two, three, and four, I was like, I think at that point I started tuning out. Yeah, those kind of... I I mean, I actually do like those tracks, like Use the Man and Mastermind. I think those are, I think those are fine, but... Eh, maybe I got some bias. Yeah, Trust was a great opener, and then it does kind of lull. And then the disintegrators does, I mean, you can hear, like, with the harmonies in the chorus, that they're still trying to maybe, you know, appeal to the typical buyer. But I feel like they were trying to at least stay more with their roots, at least with this album. Like, this album, like this, like, Fight for Freedom and Vortex toward the end, towards the end are, they're, they're pretty fast. I, I, I just like that this album... I guess I just didn't feel like it was that big of a letdown as a lot of people do, because a lot of people group this album and Risk in, like, the same category, kind of like, you know, how Load and Reload get, like, in the same category because they came out so close together. I think Load and Reload are two half albums. We all know that. <laughs> but I, I feel like this album is this album was pretty much their last attempt to try and stay in metal and kind of, you know, a little thrashy before the next album. I think maybe that's, that's why I like it, because I've I just kind of feel like it it really tried, and I feel like it succeeded in some parts, and I really can I can respect that. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I feel like up until um, the system has failed, let me say this before I finish that sentence. I think I like Dave Mustaine now after hearing most of their catalog. I like Dave Mustaine when he's really, really angry, and I think that's why I, I, I liked a lot of the early um, – Megadeth stuff was there was a lot of that rage that was coming out of having been thrown unceremoniously out of Metallica. There was, you know, Dave Mustaine was drunk and on drugs and self-deprecating and loathing. And, became, you know, and while he himself was self-destructive, there from, music from was the, better for it. I was like, yeah, from a very corrupted well came, came awesome music. And, like, you don't, you know, it's, it's kind of... Uh, like a Jimi Hendrix thing. I mean, you know, a tortured individual he was, or uh, Janis Joplin, or uh, uh, Jim Morrison, or Kurt Cobain. Cobain. You know, these were all tortured individuals, but they gave it. But there was just a wellspring of fantastic music that came from all of those places. And so, like on the one hand, you don't want the guy to suffer. On the other hand, you're like, no, it's the only way he writes good music. So, <laughs> like, so, so, so are you saying him. all these artists, if they didn't croak, they would have ended up like '90s Megadeth? <laughs> probably. They probably would have formed a supergroup called oh, uh, <laughs> the re the rehabs. <laughs> exactly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway, um but the the point that I'm getting to is I feel like you know, after Symphony of Destruction and then Youth of Asia forgive me for saying so, Robert, Dave Mustaine lost his balls. That's I could, all- yeah, I I can definitely see that. I'm not, that was I'm not all I could think about while I was listening to these albums. I was like, ah, oh, why is Robert making me listen to Megadeth where, where, where Dave Mustaine has neutered himself? And then he kind of gets them back towards the end. So we, we, we end with a happy story where Dave Mustaine cl- reclaims his nuts. But, you know. At least he never cut his hair. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I had uh, to do that because it was, it was so easy. Yes, it was. Um, I guess that's my point, you know. I, it's not that I think Cryptic Writing is a bad album. I just feel like 
it lacks the classic Dave Mustaine angst. And here's a good example of a of a absolutely fine song with no balls. My wife could listen to that, and she'd probably go, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like it, which isn't a compliment. She'd make her listen to it in Spanish. <laughs> Spanish version is really neat, actually. I think he plays that when he's in South America. I have an entire album of uh, some sort of uh, Hispanic band. I'm sure they would enjoy the Bud Light Clamato. Um <laughs> <laughs> And Canadian, sure. That's uh, great. That if anyone listening to this podcast hasn't listened to the Three Beards, isn't going to get this joke. But um, no. the, did an entire album full of uh, Cure songs done in kind of like a salsa style. It's pretty cool, actually. Uh, like what Pat Boone did. <laughs> in Spanish? No, the one where he took all the uh, like he took Inner Sandman and turned it. Like, oh yeah, in a metal. Song. Yeah, dude, Pat Boone's in a metal mood is fantastic. It was earth shattering. It, so it cool. changed music. Yeah, it almost it almost got him excommunicated. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I didn't know that until my dad told me. You, you got in music, you gotta take risks. Huh? Oh, oh, oh! Just like Pat Boone, Dave Mustaine put his neck on the line. <laughs> and just like Pat Boone, it almost got jumped off. Um, yeah, we'll get to risk in a moment. But you you see what I'm saying there, where that's not a bad song by any stretch of the imagination. But as I said, that's a song I could play for my wife. I'm like, here, here, listen to the song. What do you think of it? And she's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You can play that on the radio, and it wouldn't offend anybody. That's I think not that was why the you point, listen. though. And that's why, not, but that's not why you listen to Megadeth. At least that's not 
that's that's not the Megadeth that we heard on the first podcast. No, and like I guess that's maybe I think it's one of those. I guess you'll just enjoy it more if you like. I accept the fact that pretty much <laughs> from here to system, we're not going to get another you know rust in peace. We're not going to get another peace cells. We're going to be lucky if we even get a scrap of uh, euthanasia sometimes. So what you're telling me but is I cryptic just, writings is the into darkness of the Megadeth catalog. I actually like that movie. Yeah, sure. It was a great action film. It wasn't a Star yeah. Trek movie. Con. It would never get, it, I don't want to talk about that. Um, and, I, I busted and, out laughing at that because yeah. me, me and Nick have been screaming "con" at things ever since. Like, mm-hmm. well, we all, I was a I was a junior in high school, so finally hearing that on the big screen, I we, I couldn't I couldn't stop laughing. I uh, <laughs> we. God, what was going to say? Oh, I was on another podcast where I said that if um, oh that if in the next Star Trek movie they introduce the mirror mirror alternate universe where everyone on the Enterprise is a pirate, <sighs> and other to assume leadership, I will be the one yeah. screaming on as I blow my fucking head off. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that'd be hilarious. What if they were Christopher Lloyd was in the next one? <laughs> And and John Lurkett. Yes, yeah, well, that's what we need. <laughs> you and know John Lurkett. And then after that, you know hmm? John Lurkett's a Klingon in one of the old movies, right? No, you didn't. Know. Oh wow, you missed you missed the whole point of the joke. Then yeah, John Lurkett plays a Klingon where he where I think it's in three, as a matter of fact, where you know they're just you know it's like I demand that you kill me, and then they'll and then Kirk's like yeah I'll kill you later, and then <laughs> later on he's like I thought you were going to kill me. Yeah, I lied. <laughs> yeah, I knew Christopher Lloyd was a Klingon. Yeah, hilariously he's, he's, enough, he's the he's the the villain of that movie, The Search for Spock. Star but, Trek Three. Right, but John Larroquette's uh, in there somewhere. All right, listen. Um, so are you saying this album is The Search for Dave Mustaine Falls? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but that would make the system has failed. Uh, not the system, but that would make uh, the world needs a hero. Star Trek. Or the Voyage Home. Oh, why? Because you'd much rather get crushed by a whale than listen to it? Uh, maybe, but we're not there yet. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and, and let me introduce this next album, and then I'm going to defer to Robert and maybe let him explain it to me. August 30th, 1999, uh, Megadeth, Megadeth release. I can't speak tonight. Megadeth releases their eighth studio album, Risk. Um, this continues their trend of mainstream-sounding hard rock albums, and it's by far their most um, criticized, I would say. This is the one where I think a lot... I was going to say, this is the one where even Megadeth fans were going, I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. I mean, this is this is the Megadeth album where you wake up in the morning, you're, you're, you're naked, you're, you're, you're bleeding from places, there there's just condoms on the floor, um, and, and you're going, why is my car in a tree? That's that's what this, this album is. This is the Cambodian like. hooker? This is the Cambodian hooker of the Megadeth discography is what you're saying. Would you disagree? No, no, not well. Then again, you hated the next album more. But I guess, I guess when you, uh, th- this album is kind of like, like all the way up to here. Like you've had the beer goggles on, so you didn't notice a penis. And then this album is <laughs> the Cambodian. This this is the Cambodian prostitute of an album where you wake up, your ass is bleeding, and there's condoms everywhere. 
yeah, um, this is the Peter Shibetta of... <laughs> this is the crying game. <laughs> this is the Peter Shibetta of of albums. Um, so what went wrong here, Robert? I mean, you obviously you're not in the band, but you're, you are my Megadeth expert. This is your podcast, as it were. You're here to save the show. So what went wrong? The, yeah, what went wrong here? This, Explain to me what happened. When Metallica did 95, you know, cut their hair and were playing more hard rock than heavy metal, this is what Megadeth did in 99. Like before they tried to cling to that, you know, little bit of heavy metal credibility, like, you know, guys, see, we still got like a thrash song here or there. And then finally, they're just like, fuck it. We need money. So they just went ahead, and this album, I'm a bit iffy on it. Like, you know, I I love almost every Megadeth album. It's, it's like my children. It, it really is sometimes, which is kind of sad, considering I don't have any children. <laughs> but, yeah, this, this album has a lot more ballads, and honestly, those are the best part. It's when they try to do uh, Crush Em, where there's a fucking rap in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're gonna talk about that moment. Oh yes, because I want I want to get your reaction to that rap because oh man, oh. Uh, but I mean, there's still some really good songwriting moments here. There's some good ballads. There's actually a few. Uh, there's a few songs where they try to do something different. Like the doctor is calling, though it is kind of middling and boring. It's still it, it tends to do something a doomier, like more of a Sabbath edged vibe. Than you know than they've done before I guess because you know they've slowed down they don't want to piss off any you know any twelve year old girl that picks up this album by mistake. <laughs> I mean yeah I mean that's that's what the music industry is all about really the twelve year old girls of the world. Absolutely. The, that's what every yeah. industry is about. Mm, I don't know the eighteen to thirty five male demographic is pretty big for TV, but anyhow nope. we're talking you. No, it's the world revolves around twelve-year-old girls. Ask anyone. Oh, okay. Well, well, <laughs> I don't know. A man my age, that'd be more like you know, if I were a pedophile. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, move along. <laughs> we're getting into Clamato territory. We're gonna offend somebody. But yeah, let this me, this. I was gonna say, let me save you and play a song. <laughs> All right, so this is Robert's pick. This is uh, this is actually going to be one of the very few times on this show I purposely picked a song that's, that's not, like, my favorite song on the album. But let's go with one that's actually really, really good. This is Insomnia. Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul and the constant. Sorry. Was that the intro to the villain podcast? <laughs> it might be. What? Oh, this is the remix. Oh, it is?
Okay, I can tell you a couple of things that are both right and wrong about that, but uh, I think you had said that I, I did not pick the studio version. I picked a remix. That's at least that's what I thought because I uh, that silence sec- the, the section that's more like I was like oh insomnia insomnia and then has because the regular version if I'm not mistaken just has the uh, almost like a guitar slide and then it just goes straight into the song. Okay, but I, mean, I it's, like I mean it's close enough. I like the a little different. I like the string section to it. I like you know the use of strings throughout the song. That was good. What was bad was mm-hmm. what what. Yeah, you have to understand. In the in the late eighties, early nineties, and then it kind of exploded in ninety three, ninety four. Um, industrial music, which was coming out of like the German club scene, was going, growing, mm-hmm. going, and then kind of blew up with nine inch nails. And then there was this period from like ninety five to ninety nine where everything had to be industrial, including bands that sucked. So I I, I I'll tell you right now, like this is one of those things where I have like an unnaturally negative reaction. I hate where bands that are not industrial will force industrial music into their music to try to take advantage of a, of a trend at the time. And it's like, it's a, it's a square peg in a round hole situation. Think Chinese democracy, you know, Axl Rose was probably the best example of somebody trying to jam industrial music into his band, you know, post Guns N' Roses with all the good people leaving the band, leaving him left. And it never fit. <laughs> Axel and his band of scabs. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Axl Rose experience. Um, but you, oh. you know what I'm talking about. I hated the, the sort of the forced upon you industrial music because I really like industrial music where it, you know, where it fits. Um, you know, I like it in like Fear Factory. I like Ministry. I like KMFDM. I don't like it in my like, Guns N' Roses. This is like somebody saying, "Here's a bowl of Cheerios. We're gonna throw lamb chops in it." Well, wait a minute now. I like lamb chops. They don't belong in my bowl of Cheerios. You see what I'm saying, Robert? Yeah, I do. I actually never. You know, every time I've listened to this song, I never caught it. I don't listen to much industrial. It's probably why I never caught it. But yeah, there is kind of an industrial flair. Now that you mention it. I, this is one of the better songs. This is probably the most metal song on the album. Re- oh, really? God. Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually, I thought I had, uh, had another pick, but because I thought I picked one of the ballads, but I guess I did. I couldn't remember. I think, yeah, I think I was gonna pick a ballad. So I was like, oh yeah, Mark's totally gonna pick Insomnia, and then you didn't pick Insomnia. I'm like, okay. No, because so, I actually, picked the song that we have to talk about. Oh. Uh, yeah, see, I thought you were going to be as repulsed at that as I was. But no. <laughs> nope, this was unintentionally hilarious. But, but I, I, I cut you off a couple of times because we kind of went this way and that. If you could just really sum up for me and, and, and sort of finish making your points on what in the hell they were thinking with Risk. Well, what they were thinking, what they were thinking, I'm pretty sure is just they were like, you know what? I think we, I think they just realized the well has been just run dry on their ideas in terms of metal. And, you know, it's done, it's kind of worked so well with everybody else, which is ironic considering they went the most, quote-unquote, mainstream once the sound they were making was kind of already going out the door because this was 99, not 95. But what they were, as you can probably tell just by listening to the thing, they were trying to make everything as just, I guess, as palatable as possible, make it, you know, make it kind of soft, don't try to offend anybody too much. And as you can tell, like, you know, there's ballads and shit on this that you would never see back in the day. 
Now, honestly, I thought I did pick a ballad because Wanderlust is a pretty good one, and Ecstasy has a really catchy chord. It is just infectiously catchy. But, yeah, I mean, pretty much this is... They were trying to do what Metallica did in 95, and unlike Metallica, who succeeded and continued to ride their way of, of uh, you know, of mainstream momentum, I guess, that everybody just kind of looked at them and went, nah, let's try jackasses. This comes across like your grandpa trying to be cool. You know, this is like... In the in the five minutes after WrestleMania, where the fans were outwardly rejecting everything WWE, and they would fandango just to amuse themselves, and then the WWE yeah. tried to take advantage of the crowd spontaneously fandangoing, and then almost instantaneously, it was no longer the cool thing to do. That's how. Yeah, I that's my, on TV in a little while. Yeah, that's my review of Risk. This is fan- <laughs> this is the W Risk is the WWE um getting trying to get everyone to fandango after it's already not been cool anymore. It's the WrestleMania it's the Rocky Maivia push. It really is. It's I mean I go back to what I said. If you're sitting there in the studio and as you put it, the well has run dry. No one's coming up with anything. Leave the fucking studio. Come back when you get an idea. Don't don't look around and go, you know what's popular? The Nine Inch Nails. That's pretty good stuff. The kids seem to like it. Let's do that. I think we should make an album, Joker. <laughs> yeah. Like, and did you ever see the band photos from this album? Like, they're fucking no. sitting in, like, a subway station or something, sitting on a rail wearing fucking sweaters. Ah. You know what like, this what? reminds me of? I don't know if you've mm. ever read The Dirt by Motley Crue. But I've heard I remember many stories. I remember the the album that I think follows Dr. Feelgood where um uh the singer left the band, the one that killed the guy. Uh Oh, fucking Vince Neil asshole, yeah. you know, ass, yeah, Vince, asshole extraordinaire who has a pilot's license. <laughs> Vince Neil leaves the band. They replace him, but they also simultaneously start to take a very, very... I mean, this is the band that did Girls, 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 right? This was, this was, not, <laughs> this was not the most oh. serious of bands. And no. they they bring in this new singer, and the singer thinks she's joining Motley Crue, the same band that gave us Dr. Feelgood and Shout Out to Deathle. And they're like... And I remember reading in the dirt, they were like, you know, again, they fell into the same trap. They were like, oh, Nine Inch Nails is popular. Let's do that. But you know who's also popular? Pantera. Let's do that. There's an entire chapter of I can't remember the guy's name, but John every Karate? part of okay, sure. Um, where we're we talking this, about Zeke the singer, right? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll look it yeah, up. John Karabi. Okay, so John Karabi. So John Karabi. Um, everybody in in Motley Crue gets wrote a chapter of that book, so it's kind of like um, Reservoir Dogs, where everybody kind of talks about something, and you kind of get everyone's perspective on an event. And the event is the career of Motley Crue. So that's how the dirt mm-hmm. is written. It's actually a very, very creative way of doing it. But there's a there's an entire there's an entire chapter written by John Karabi describing his experience recording the album that followed Doctor Feelgood, and he's talking about how like they want they're like do Kurt Cobain but Nine Inch Nails like and make it sound like Pantera. And the next page is him just in capital letters and bold print. Make up your fucking minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Truly I wish we had Nick. I make jokes and Nick goes, you know, that's actually one of my favorite Molly Crew albums. I'm like, I haven't listened to much of it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I guess I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but I didn't come here to tell you that. I told I told you that story to tell you this one. They were also mm-hmm. talking, and I want to say it was either in the like the the behind the music or again in the dirt, where they're like, you know, we were a party band. We were a band that did girls, 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 and you know, and all these party songs, and we were not tremendously serious. And even you know, early on, where we were, when Nikki Six was obsessed with Satan, they even got away from that. And they um, they have this video screen, and it's showing all kinds of negative shit. And uh, they look out into the audience, and there's like you know, kids that are supposed to be having a fun time at a rock concert, looking like sad and depressed. And they're like, oh, we <laughs> we seem to have missed the point. That's what this feels like. That's what Risk reminds me of when you're talking about like a the band. It's it's like, you know, it's it's one thing when you're corn and you're like a bunch of or Slipknot and you're a bunch of abused fucking people getting together to form a band and that's kind of the the source of your music is your abuse and your self-loathing and everything else. It's again, it's exactly what I talked about with old Megadeth. It's a whole other thing when you're trying to fabricate it and then steal other people's sounds. And I think in a word, if someone were to say, you know, for God's sakes, Rad, let's get to the point. What are you trying to tell me about risk? I would tell you that it's disingenuous. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel, I mean, I, it just doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel genuine, which like I, like I said, most negatives, I, I really do feel like they were trying for that sound, but I just don't feel like they were it's like I, they were, they wanted that sound and they really tried for it, but it really was just, I didn't quite click. Like I said, I've, when I look at like, when I look at the album, it's not like one of those where they can't decide what they were going to do because you know they have that they have your ballads they have some mid tempo tracks they have a rapping solo <laughs> and they have yeah and they have insomnia which is actually kind of an odd just almost like an odd entry because it has like a little bit of like an industrial it's got a little like it's got some Middle Eastern instruments it's kind of a weird fit but a lot of this album. Like when I went back and listened to it, I'm like, I do not remember this album being so long. <laughs> like you know, just track wise, because I only remember, like I remember some of the tracks. And then actually, one of my the song I hate the most out of Megadeth is Skyrim Seven, which is ironic because it's not a bad song. It's just it came up on my uh, old MP3. I have an MP3 player that's basically almost just all Megadeth and then a bit of everything else. But that song came up so much, I was just like, mm, fuck that song. <laughs> okay, but, I'm gonna yeah, play a I mean, song. Go ahead, finish. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that, you know, that was actually one of the better better songs in terms of hard rock because really there was very little to say, this is metal. This had about as many ballads as a damn Poison album. <laughs> okay. I hate Poison. I'm going to play a song, though. So this much. is my pick. And this is probably, this again, we did the, uh, the Clutch retrospective, we did the Pantera retrospective, we did part one of Megadeth. This is the first time I've ever picked a song because it was the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life, and not because I really liked it. Um, and it's also, <laughs> you want to also, troll me. <laughs> yeah, this, this is my troll pick. Um, I also picked it because of its relevance to professional wrestling. This is Crush'em. <laughs> Bye. 
that Goldberg's theme for like a week? Yeah. Well, they came out and performed it live on WCW. And then the ratings plummeted. Yeah, and people were like, oh, my God, we'd rather go watch Beaver Cleavage. Um, (laughs) Actually, I I actually remember. (laughs) You remember that? You just referenced Beaver Cleavage. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, I'll watch you reference Avatar. (laughs) Avatar, the Al Snow character. Oh, yeah, dude, I used to read WrestleCraft, like, all the time. Dude, WrestleCraft was the (laughs) shit back in the day. But, um... Getting back to this, yeah, I don't. I think there was actually something really, really good opposite this on uh, Raw, and people turned. It was kind of like the McFoley title switch. It was people just turned off WCW and Mass during this. I mean, it came across poor on television. It's not the greatest song. I let me read you from the Wikipedia entry because I actually think this is hilarious and to me kind of sums up everything other than disingenuousness. Um, Dave Mustaine has since expressed in reference to Risk. Although he believes that Risk is a great record, it should not have had the name Megadeth on it because if anybody else's name was on Risk, it would have sold. However, Mustaine has also stated that Crush'em was probably the dumbest song the band has ever recorded and has since said he is not too fond of it. Really? Yeah. Was that the... I could have sworn that was the remix too because didn't it have kind of like a... a, almost like a beatboxing beat to it? Was that just me? Like at the I beginning, because the beginning that I know is just like like almost like an ambient and then the bass. That's really that's all it is. Oh well, <laughs> actually, I think I think after hearing the remix, that was a little better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a it's kind of a catchy song, but not in like the good way, like the you know like really good metal song, like the I don't know. This kind of it's Carly Rae Jepsen of uh, metal. I don't want it in my head. It's in my head. Dear God, get it out of my head. <laughs> like yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm happy you let us go all the way to the uh, the, the rapping section because that was laughable. I yeah, it was well, terrible. Again, I, I can't think of another. In. I I can't think of another album where you know it's so just screams of not cool. You know, like try. You know, it's just it's it's just try hard. You know, I, that's all this out. Al- we are spending so much time on an album that's so terrible. But it's like I can't, I can't get off this this album. It's just, it just screams try hard. Yeah, I did try. Like almost like that rapping section was like your your dad learning like how to use a computer, and then trying to like talk to you about computery things. You're just like, Dad, you don't know shit. Stop. It's like Bob Saget. <laughs> you don't like Bob Saget? No, I mean obviously. I mean, but it's like you know. But what was Bob Saget's whole shtick? It was I'm the guy from. I'm Danny um, Tanner. Hear me talk about a guy giving a goat, having a goat give him head. Yeah, you know he. What was the name of the show that he was on with the Olsen twins? Full House. Well, yeah, Full I'm House. the dad from Full House, and I'm now I'm going to talk about you know all of this vile stuff and sort of rebrand myself. And it was in in some ways it was very funny, in a lot of ways it was very off putting. So th- this is not funny and off putting at the same time. I don't know. This song was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, God, Let, I can't imagine Goldberg coming out to that rapping section. I just would like again. It was one of those things where like you know like oh well we need to freshen up Goldberg's gimmick. Why don't we give him something interesting to do? No, fuck that. Let's have him come out to Megadeth. 
They should have put him out with Kiss, because you know Kiss is the lowest rated WCW segment of all time. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, they, they got Kiss they, to play. They created an entire wrestler for that, the Kiss Demon. Oh, yes. Dale Torborg, Dale the Kiss Demon. Any, any uh, in, that you can – I mean, is there any question as to why that company finally went out of business? <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, once you got past the NWO, it was like, okay, this person's fighting, this person's fighting. Oh, yeah, the Internet's cool. You know, let's <laughs> talk about it on air. You know what? This album is kind of like WCW in the late 90s. <laughs> they were like, yeah, this is cool. Let's totally do it. And then everybody's like, nobody wants to hear that. Go away. I uh, I was on Casual Heroes, not that This is the last thing I'm going to say about the rest, and then we're moving on. Um or be here for the next. This is going to turn into the Risk podcast, but um, <laughs> the Risk cast. <laughs> I was on the Casual Heroes uh, a couple of weeks back, and I was talking about the state of the WWE. And I understand they've had some recent. Their shows recently have been uh, much better. Things are starting to flow into a good direction. But there was a period again after WrestleMania where it just they they just didn't seem to know what they were doing, and the show felt directionless. And I and I said, you know, historically, I don't think Vince McMahon knows why things are popular. I, you know, he gets a lot of credit for um, having created a successful company, and I don't necessarily want to take that credit away. But I think that there are things that have been wildly successful that he was able to take advantage of. But I don't think he actually knew why they were successful. And, and he doesn't know things that are successful. Like look at Paul Virtual's pirate character. Well, yeah, that was the thing. It was like, well, pirates. It's like, and people have actually said that about him. You know that like he'll react to things like well after they've their shelf life has um, gone away. You know, like like oh, we need a Pirates of the Caribbean's popular. Let let's get you know a pirate character out there, and it's like well past the time that Pirates of the Caribbean was popular. Well, actually, the funny thing was, is actually it was pretty popular then. But then Vince looked at it and goes, "Why do we have a pirate?" And then they tried to explain to him the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's like, "I don't know what the hell that is. That's stupid. Get him off my screen." Right, and then like ten years later, he'll finally figure it out and be like, "We need a pirate character," and you know, it's like, "Oh, old man Vince." But I, I, I described him as having like almost like an autism kind of a thing going on, where like he, <laughs> where like he recognizes that something's popular, but he has no idea why. So they just keep doing it over and over and over again, like Fandango. You know, like, I don't know why everyone's fandangoing. Oh, because fandangoing must be popular. Let's just beat that into the ground. And then suddenly it wasn't anymore. Um, and gee whiz, I wonder why. That's that, that that's the best thing I can come up with as to what in the hell. There was like a collective autism going on with this record. We don't know why any of this shit's popular, but we need to make money. So let's just throw it all into the record. And I go back yeah, to my you everybody blaming Everybody's like, Dave blames Marty Friedman for this because he's like, you know, Marty wanted to do a poppy direction. Then Marty's like, no, that was Dave. <laughs> it's like the two of them, just all they do is argue. It's not like St. Anger where everybody's backed off except for Lars. He's like, yeah, let's do a good, good record. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness gracious. Um, this next album fucking did me in. I was like, I almost, I almost emailed uh, Cooper. I'm like, well, Cooper, we're moving on to something else because I can't take it anymore. Go, May well, no, 15th. Oh, no. I, can, I can hold a whole, I can hold a whole podcast talking about Magnus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have been like, you know what? I, if if it didn't get any better than this album, because this is by far, because Risk, I, there's a lot to talk about in just in terms of it's so bad. It, it's not so bad that it's good, but it's so bad. There's a lot to talk about. 
this one it's was interesting. Not, yeah, there's there's like what's going on? You know, it's kind of like examining a car wreck. Um, the world needs a hero came out May fifteenth, two thousand one. It's the ninth studio album from Megadeth, and it is the drizzling shits. This is some of the worst freaking music I've heard in a long time. And to the, to like I said, I almost gave up, and I'm like, I don't even want to do the podcast anymore. I'm like, if this is what I'm in store for, fucking seven albums, then I'm done. I'm tapping out. That's why you should have talked to me earlier, so I could have been like, yeah, okay, you listen to Return to Hanger, which we're going to do in a second, and just skip the rest of it, because really, like, I honestly, like, you'll hear me in a second, I will defend this album, I am going to do it, but Return to Hanger is pretty much the high point, which is sad, Yeah, it's the next to last song. Um, I, uh... I was going to, we were going to play Moto. This is one of the few albums on this entire podcast where we're not going to have a, a Mark pick and a Robert pick. I basically just said, I let Robert pick a song because even Motorcycle, which would would have been the song I would have picked. That song's mediocre. I was like, I don't even want to yeah. hear it again. Like, it's the, it's the best song of a sandwich. Yeah, you should have picked the first song, Disconnect. That one was at least okay. Motorcycle <laughs> right, well, was just like boring. Yeah, it's, I was, this whole album just made me hate myself. Um, <laughs> I actually came away from this album thinking I, I'm not a good person. That's how bad this album is to me. But this is the high point of the album, and sure, it's one of the last songs on there. This is Return to Hanger. But it lacks that oomph that gives Megadeth any kind of personality. You know, it was just it there. was trying for it. It was trying, <laughs> which I I think it's funny that the one the best song on this album is one that is a more or less a sequel to one of the best songs off their best album. <laughs> but yeah, this song was pretty much like when I was listening to this album again, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the best. But like I said, there are still some disconnects. Uh, a pretty good song. It's not too bad. Uh, Promises, the actually, it's the best ballad they've ever done. It actually had a lot of nice, uh, like it had a nice symphony behind it, and it had some actually felt like almost heartfelt moments. Oh God, 
<laughs> yeah, it was pretty solid. Uh, let's see. Well, Trash in the Fugitive Mind, that was on. That was actually from their greatest hits record. It was just for that, and somehow it made it back here. Hey, we'll be the heroes. And it's a pretty solid song, the uh, the, the title track. And then, uh, let's see. Uh, Burning Bridges has solid. It has a really solid uh, solo section. And A Thousand Times Goodbye is it's not bad. I mean, this album, honestly, when it comes to listening to Risk or this, I'm kind of torn because while Risk was mediocre, it was at least consistently mediocre. <laughs> like it had, yeah, it was consistent and it had some pretty, it had some bright spots when you you just consider what the album is. This one's really kind of everywhere. Like it has some okay, here's some metal, and then let me give you a slow song, and then here's some metal, and then here's a ballad, and okay, here's some metal, and then here's something boring. It was. It kind of felt like they knew they fucked up, and they were trying to, you know, trying to make up for it. Like, okay, okay, here you go. Here's a little Ninja Hero, and it really just kind of almost felt more disingenuous than the last one. But yeah. you know, at least I, I got, I kind of, like I said, I still feel like there was, there was still effort. <laughs> it definitely feels yeah. like they got into the studio, and you can almost feel like a tension in the band with this album, where it's like. This isn't what we really want to be doing, but we don't know what will make you idiots happy. So we'll just put some shit on a record, and, and hopefully you'll like it. But God knows we don't. That's, yeah, this is the only album that has Alpha Trelli. This is the only one that has Alpha Trelli on guitars, because uh, Marty left right after Risk was done to go play Japanese pop music. I shit you not, too. He plays, he plays pop music in Japan. And, you know, he makes it listenable. Yeah, he was on the newest. Uh, I think I think you know he was on the newest uh, Jeff Loomis album. Okay. And Jeff Loomis just doing solos back and forth. Oh, so great! Yeah. This is, in my opinion, the lowest point in the Megadeth catalog, and I'm not even being hyperbolic when I say I didn't want to do the podcast anymore after listening to this. I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to listen anymore. You should have come. To, you should have come to me sooner. I know. I, I know every almost every song back like the front palm of my hand. Hey, yo. Uh, I could have just told you just listen to one song and skip it because I can I can I can hold down the fort on albums you don't listen to but <laughs> it's good it's good when you listen so we can have well that's the thing it's like you're right I absolutely should have told you like this is going terrible <laughs> like, why are we doing this why can't we just stop well, yeah, the you remember, and then you would have said because you would even said to yeah. me like listen to Endgame listen to this one these are good albums it's gonna get better Mark I promise. And like okay, and if I had listened to you, which I which I inevitably ended up doing, it would have made a huge difference. But unfortunately, it was like, you know, it was. It was I don't even know how else to describe my my experience with this. It was uh, like I forgot to check writing. in on you while you were on vacation because I saw you listen to Cryptic Writings. I'm like, he's doing so well. You know, I don't even think I'm gonna have to bug him for this. <laughs> I forgot. And then, and then you hit the yucky ears. Yeah. We got the cryptic writing, and then risk, and then the the world. The, the world needs a hero. Fucking broke me. Um, I, just, I can't. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like it broke, I'm it, it to broke this, Mark. Yeah, this plan for. No, no it, this is more of the Alistair Overeem Bigfoot Silva. I was like, that's it. I give up. Oh, <laughs> I was actually laughing because Overeem was being a dick the whole time, and he is a dick, and he got his face punched in. I'm like, ah. Yep, and he deserved it. All right. Let's, oh, well, he'll get a yeah. title shot soon enough. Is there anything else left to say about this? I mean, this was I don't think this was this was critically panned. Um yeah. I don't think it sold very well. 
I think I, I think no. I, I think the entire world's reaction to this was next. <laughs> okay, yeah, actually, this was next. This was supposed to be the last Megadeth album, actually, because this next album uh, it was supposed to be a solo, like uh, Dave wanted a solo album, because you know he's like, you know, I'm done with Megadeth. But then they made him put his name on this next album. The system has failed, and he almost didn't get it out because I don't know if you know, but he had like major nerve damage in his arm because like he was strung out at some facility and fell asleep with his arm in a certain position on a chair, and he woke up and he couldn't feel his arm. And it's not like the oh my legs asleep. It's the oh shit I can't feel anything. <laughs> so yeah, he this was his, this next album is his comeback in more than one way. Um, I'll tell you what, and and the comeback album it was. 2004 saw the return of Megadeth, Dave Mustaine, as you said, supposed to be a um, a solo album, but it's you know it's it fell under the Megadeth umbrella, and it, I'm glad it did because I feel like this was the reg- the Megadeth reboot. The system has failed. Really goes back to what made Megadeth good. And you know, to tolerable. <laughs> you know, uh, it came so out tolerable. <laughs> it came out on Sanctuary, and I feel like this laid the foundation for rebuilding for Megadeth, and really launched them, um, you know, in, in, in a sort of second wind after everything that was their early career and their um, their sort of mid hard rock career. Let's go ahead. Their midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their midlife crisis. Um, let's go ahead and listen to Robert's pick. This is this would have been the one that I would have picked had he not picked it first. This is Blackmail the Universe. Blackmail the universe and really the whole uh, the system has failed is a return to Angry Dave. But instead of like 
and, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but instead of like drugged out crazy, I hate my life, my parents never loved me, Dave, this is I'm sober and the world sucks and I'm going to complain about it uh, in, in a very cool way, Dave Mustaine. And I that was. You. And uh, that's fine. Um, the, the, an angry Christian. That's what that's what the world needed. Um, but no, seriously, I, I I really felt like we got the best. We we the beginning of the best parts of Megadeth um, over time all merged into one. You had that angst, but you had that uh, maturity all kind of coming together to make the album that they should have made three albums ago. Yeah, yeah. There's this. This album is really. It's just a really great return to form. And Black Metal Universe is just a great way to start everything off. You know, it, it literally does start with a bang or an explosion because that's Air Force One going to poot. I, I love like the thing I do love about the song is that it's thrashy, but then it has like the tempo switches and stuff, and it's got the the sections with the with the dogging. It really adds like almost like a little story within like you know a four and a half minute song, which is pretty impressive. They do yeah. that with some other ones too. There was the one where you know I, we t- we talked about this on the first podcast. You know, pull over, asshole! It's a cops. You know, and I, <laughs> I made the joke that Dave Mustaine sounds yeah, well, like he doesn't know English. Um, but <laughs> um, I yeah. like that about Megadeth. I like the infusion of politics into their music. I like the stories. You know, I've often said the reason why I don't listen to rap music is it's about the same three subjects, whereas you know, rock music goes in, you know, all kinds of directions. So you got to do something to differentiate yourself from the zillions of other bands out there. And instead of trying to just sound like another band, do your thing. But, you know, it's okay to experiment and take risks with your music. It's not okay to try to imitate somebody else because you think it's popular, you old fogey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This track, this song, this album is full of like a really good tracks. But I'll wait after your pick. I'll go ahead and just do my usual album and review. Okay, so let's go ahead and play my pick. This is, um, I think, the second best and heaviest song on the album. This is "Kick the Chair." Has failed. Who kicks that chair? 
<laughs> yeah, it's good stuff there. All right, tell me about this album, yeah, Robert. I, well, actually, I just like that song there. The theme that it has of the justice system is screwed. Might as well hang yourself. <laughs> Happy song. Yeah, it, it is. And actually, uh, what I did remember during that song is this is three quarters of the original Megadeth uh, unit. Here, like you're not gonna get Gar Samuelson back because he's kind of dead at this point. But they, this is uh, Chris Cohen came back to the band. He's yeah, he's kind of dead. dead. <laughs> he's yeah, mostly dead. He, he's kind Yes, he's he's almost dead. <laughs> There's still a chance for him to be a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, yeah, Chris Cohen was back, and I really think it shows because it brings they really bring kind of that old that old school Megadeth sound to him. And there's other songs, like the song that was on that... You remember the TV show, Duck Dodgers, don't you? The cartoon. Duck you remember, Dodgers you in the 20... D- uh, Daffy Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half yeah. century? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the song back in the day was on an episode of it. Like, Daffy's looking for somebody. Like, he, I forget when it was, but he ends up looking into the like, vault of people, and he's like, oh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. And then... And then he opens it up, and this song, you know, like the whole band plays this damn song. <laughs> like somehow, when Dave Mustaine got into a Duck Dodgers cartoon, which I thought was pretty damn awesome. Okay, I wasn't yeah, aware that Duck Dodgers had its own cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it did. Yeah, it, uh, it did. I didn't watch much of it. I kind of regret that. But hey, Animaniacs is back on TV. That, that show's amazing. So in repeat, is it like syndication or is it new episodes? Like they, like they oh, no, repeat it. It's syndication. Oh, okay. It's syndication. Yeah, like the, that's more than we've the got. hub plays all that stuff. If you have the hub on your cable network, it's like Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, My Little Pony, which my kids into. Mm. But uh, it's okay you, for a two-year-old girl to like My Little Pony. That's who it's meant to. Just for. not twenty. Just not thirty-year-old men. No. Yeah. Yeah, and they play Batman and Superman and Men in Black and all that cool stuff. Anyways, back back on the track. Black Metal Universe Craze on Kick the Chair. It has a really good, really metal. Back in the day, it's really, just actually really thrashy. Well, Mice and Men isn't exactly thrashy, but it tells a really, it's really neat because it tells the story of Dave Mustaine so far. Like, he wrote a song about his life. And it's pretty pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's just nice to see the, his reflection on himself. And then there are songs that are like The Scorpion and Die Dead Enough and Tears in the Vial, which are still kind of, Kind of ballady, but at the same time, I, there's a lot more to them than there was in Risk and World Needs a Hero, to where they're not, they're still metal enough to where they don't really sound like ballads, just more, you know, I guess on a lot of songs with a lighter subject. Rather well, they got than, back you know, into heavy just, metal again, which was nice. I mean, for a while there, they just weren't playing heavy metal, and you know, it, to go back to the Metallica comparisons, yes, Metallica wrote a couple of hard rock albums, but. And, and I know you and I will probably forever argue over who is a better band, Metallica or Megadeth. But I think my criticism of Megadeth is they strayed too far away from metal, whereas I still think Metallica had – they never lost their edge even when they were doing hard rock albums. Whereas I don't know about that. Mama said. Mama said <laughs> and Ronnie, those are, those are borderline country. With an edge. Um, I think Hank cool. Williams III will tell you that you can still have country with an edge. Well, that's true, but that wasn't country. That wasn't country with an edge. Mama said it was country with a country. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, country greater yeah, than industrial. The, um, but the point, <laughs> the point that I, <laughs> there you go, Um But the point that I was, yeah, I was, was getting it. to was 
this is this is Megadeth just playing heavy metal music again and just I think playing with sort of an abandoned an abandonment of uh any preconceived notions of what might be popular at that time instead of just being abandoned playing music. Yeah, and this was actually supposed to be the last Megadeth album again because he was just done with it. But uh, I've actually seen live in Buenos Aires from the O five, and he actually announces in that concert to the uh, basically more or less to the world, just like, okay, you know, Megadeth's coming back because I think you know he had such a great time doing this album. The Chris Poland's ass didn't come back, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, he decided to keep going on. And really, I feel like this album. Uh, if we would have been left with this album, I would have been happy. Because it is a really nice, I guess it would be a nice bookend, but we don't get that. No. Um, we still have Super Collider. Google League, we'll get there. Um, no, instead, after Live in Buenos Aires in 2007, May 15th, uh, they put out their 11th studio album, United Abominations. And in the interest of fairness and honesty, I'm going to tell you. The people listening to this podcast, I, Mark Radledge, did not listen to one lick of this album. So oh, gonna... you should have. It's so much like so many political songs. I think you can just tell uh, by the name of the song, the album. Yeah, no, I I mean, that's fine. I just, it, I ran out of time. Um, you know, if my kid did not want to watch not one but two Tinkerbell movies tonight, and uh, had she been able to occupy herself while I was... Uh, at the computer preparing for this podcast, I would have probably gotten through all the remaining albums that I, enough of them that I could have talked about it. Nope. Instead, my kid, you know, and there were worse things in life than my kid wanting me to play with her. So having well, I said like that, to the world needs to hear a lot of loop. Absolutely. Um, there's new comparison. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Robert. Tell us about United Abominations. What do you know? Well, United Abominations really does what the last album did, but I really feel like there was another just refocus on thrash. Like they just got thrashier as it just kept going. And I really, I really do enjoy this album. Let's see, I'm trying to find it on Spotify just so I can look at the track list. No, wrong way, wrong way. Damn, Megadeth has a lot of shit on Spotify. Did you ever notice that? Yes, and it's all there dated songs. Were... It's like it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, has a really has a really focus on thrash like Sleepwalker, Washington is next, Never Walk Alone, United Abominations was pretty thrashy, Gears of War. Almost every song on here is a bona fide thrash song, with the exception almost of the Otumo Limon remake, which they should not have done because it takes a good song and adds old man Mustaine's vocals and then it adds a woman who's kinda sorta doesn't need to be there. Metallica's Metallica, Megadeth's man, man music, damn it. Stay in the kitchen. Me... <laughs> <laughs> no I'm kidding. She did a she did a really good job. It's just I really felt like she was they didn't have to bring her in there. Right. Um, not sure why they just didn't write another duet for if they were gonna bring on the girl, but let's go ahead the and say Robert. Close my eyes forever. Sure. Um, let's go ahead and play Robert's song here. This is the one track we're going to play from a United Abominations. This is Burnt Ice. Burnt 
Yeah. Um, I think it just generally got some pretty positive reviews. Um, yeah. You know, from what you're saying, this was you know pretty pretty much all thrash. They they sort of got back to basics um, with this album. Yeah, I wish and, I, uh, I wish I would have known. Cause I could have I could have put two tracks. I could have nominated two. <laughs> um, they put this out on Roadrunner, and Roadrunner was one of the, uh, I think, premier record labels for some of the best metal bands that were out there. Uh, they certainly like Nickelback. Were the... <laughs> Besides Nickelback, god damn it. Um... <laughs> I had to do that because I know they're signed there. And yeah. a lot of people, when they think of Roadrunner, they're like, Nickelback. I'm like, shut up, you whore. I'll smack you. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there was plenty of other bands on Roadrunner besides fucking Nickelback. They got to make money. Um, so they, uh, but the, they, it was a nice fit with Roadrunner, and I think um, that might have been some of the influence on that album that you know, that they just they just went for the heavy, uh, and they you know they worried about all the other stuff later. Which is good, you know. Um, I like that song. I like what they were trying to do there. They definitely, like I said, the, the albums get stronger uh, um, as uh, Megadeth was into this, well into the second half of their career. Yeah, and uh, especially there's one for me, a little bit of trivia. The song Gears of War was actually written for the game Gears of War. It's just the song itself, like the actual vocal track did not get into the song. But if you like listen to if you playing the game and you listen, you actually hear like stuff from Megadeth. Uh, I think Megadeth for uh, at least Gears of War the song, the uh, that song was at least made it in the instrumental did, and it's a really it's a really good song. There's like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of like political song like meanings. It's like Washington is next is about you know pretty much uh, I can't exactly remember the title subject. You can tell by the name of the. Song Washington is next. It's about politics. Sleepwalkers about a guy uh, who uh, is going to. Oh, my favorite one is uh, he dreams about a. Well, is he cutting a woman up and putting her in a rug? <laughs> and so no one will ever find her again. Yeah, it's a really happy intro intro to this album. United Abominations is about how the UN's a load of shit. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's quite. Oh, uh, there's a whole section where he's talking about how. Uh, well, is it uh, the People sell their their uh, children as sex slaves, and while well, uh, we foot their bill in America, yeah, I was like, you tell them, Dave Mustaine. Let me ask you a question, Robert. Was it off-putting to hear an entire album full of such, like, you know, staunchly political songs? I know, I know, we talked about this. Okay, we, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, where you know, some some guys they you know they write these political songs, and I know for me, you know, unless it goes too far over the top. I'm willing to tolerate it because, you know, live and let live and all of that. And if it's good music, I don't really care um, that I don't agree with your politics. In this situation, was it, I guess it wasn't, but um, it wasn't off-putting well, for you? I was used to it. I was used to it because, you know, Dave Mustaine and Megadeth, they really like Peace Sells. That was a political song, and that's one of their most well-known, most well-known songs. So it didn't really bother me. Like uh, the other song is really called America Stan. Which is I love the chorus. It's like it's God versus God, the undoing of man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't do I didn't do it the, the way he does it. But pretty much that's what it boils down to. The political themes they don't bother me. This was their most political album. Uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll get some more Endgame, but this one was by far their most political. Just in general, like there's a lot of songs about politics, which doesn't bother me because 
Well, Dave Mustaine, I don't agree with his politics very much and more than Nuge. But at least, the, well, then again, the Nuge, I haven't heard many songs, the Nuge doing many songs about politics. And that's probably better that way because Ted Nugent does not need to sing about politics. He can talk it all day and I can ignore him. But if he'd sing about it, it'd just kind of ruin his vibe. You know, he's all about partying and, like, marrying 16-year-olds and shit like that. You know, crazy stuff. And hunting. Politics and, and hunting. Like, if you... you you should totally read my article sometime, Mark. I, I would nominate the, ha- the Hammer of Doom every Sunday that Mark Rattles needs to read after he does his Crown uh, of Town radio show at 9 o'clock. That was a nice, nice plug plug there. But, yeah, that was good. That was solid. That was, thank you. Thank you. It was almost as solid as our plugs on the three beards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we plugged uh, Stormco Comics, and I don't know the address. So I'm not gonna I have do a question it. about but, yeah. Wait, wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Not to break up your rhythm there for a second, but I'm confused with something. So after you went on a racist tirade against Mexicans and their uh, mm-hmm. penchant for pouring Clamato into beer or whatever it was you were talking about, you you know, a- after, I guess it was Fletcher, was like, he's a witch, burn him. Yeah. Kevin, Fletcher, and uh, Jeff the Asshole, Jeff the were, asshole. Clear, were clear as day. You were in the basement for the rest of the show, vocally. I could barely hear you. Why? I don't know what I, I honestly do not know. It might have just been my uh, Mike went to shit or something. I mean, it seems to be the next episode, but like, yeah, like I almost thought it was like a purposeful thing where like Kevin, like, well, I don't want to lose the entire last hour of the show, but yeah, we can't have this idiot rambling on and on and on about. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I was like, I don't no, understand anything happening. like that. Okay. No, I, I think it was might have been either something with my I think it was something with my audio because my audio is a little weird sometimes. Like I do need to get a wire, like some type of mic because my mic is sitting near my fan, like the computer fan, and you've heard my computer fan. It gets loud. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've heard it because you've done podcasts with me and you've listened to the podcast. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It was because the whole Clamato thing, as you'll hear in this, uh, I'm pretty sure when that the yeah this this week's episode we still reference Clamato. And I do mention how I do feel awful because I came off as like Jimmy the Greek racist asshole. <laughs> actually, actually, I compared that to Jimmy the Greek, and nobody got that, so I had to explain. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just felt totally awful about the uh, the. It wasn't an anti-Mexican tirade, I promise. It just came across <laughs> like that. It was me trying to sound intelligent and just sounding like a dingus, and I, and I succeeded. But anyways. Let's see. You successfully Where blew up we? on the launch pad. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I was the ch- I was the challenger. <laughs> you really were. Uh, um, like I started to get off the launch pad, and then I just started veering right. And I know we couldn't get the audio right for the podcast that I was on either, but it was one of those moments where I wish I had been on because I felt the need to like dive in front of you and be like, no, "Wait, what he's trying to say, folks, is shut up, you idiot. Let me get you out of this." <laughs> Because actually, I did go back late. You know, you listen to the whole thing. I was trying to, like, you know, just reaffirm no, my point. You were done by to... that point. By that point, it was, it... you were a witch. They were trying to burn you. <laughs> I was getting to the, I, I'm not racist. I have black friends. Yeah, you really were. You were just like, it, it was going to turn into, like, the, it was, you were going to turn into, like, the embodiment of uh, Megadeth's risk. You'd have been like, I'm not racist. I like black stuff. And then you would just start beatboxing like an awful Caucasian. Oh, God. Anyways, <laughs> now I remember where I was after the plug fest. 
in my own column, I was talking about Ted Nugent and all, like, you know, all the political shit he's saying and the, you know, the flack he gets for it and the support he gets for it. I'm like, you know what? In the end of the day, I can't hate Ted Nugent because the dude's so damn crazy and passionate about what he says. I'm like, you know what, Uncle Ted? I got to love you. But then again, the, my comment section was like, I don't. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, same thing with Dave Mustaine. Dave Mustaine and those two kind of fall around the same, the same end of the spectrum. And, I guess Ted, I can just kind of, you know, just kind of look at him and he's kind of cute because it's like an old guy, old angry guy with a gun talking about things. Dave's just a little more annoying about it. I don't know why he gets on my nerves more, but maybe it's just because he's not old and he doesn't have crazy eyes. <laughs> but, yeah, he, his talking about politics doesn't bother me because actually before I got into metal, I used to listen to shit like Rise Against, which was hyper-liberal. And I was like, eh, it doesn't bother me either. I mean, hearing music about politics is kind of, it's kind of interesting because you're hearing somebody's point of view on it more or less. Like, most of the time, it's not fucking political. It's not like your attempt to be Fox News. It's just some guy talking. <laughs> Wait, that is Fox News. Yeah, not, I, I guess news I just don't. Some guy talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of mean. I guess I don't really put much put much clout in it, and I don't put put my, any of my eggs in that basket. I just kind of see it as, okay, I mean, this this guy's opinion, and I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate his point of view, whether I agree with it or not. It's still cool. And Dave, like I said, I like, Dave does some pretty good political songs, like the, uh, like the song, the title track off the next song, uh, album, Endgame. It's just awesome. And it's all political and shit. But it's okay. just awesome. I mean, United Abominations, it's a pretty good album. Like, it's not as good as the next album, which some people overrate that out. I say it's overrated, but I say fuck them. <laughs> so let's talk about the next album. Uh, September 9th, 2009, we go to um, our second-to-last album we're going to talk about tonight, and that is Endgame, um, their 12th studio album. And, you know, they're still on Roadrunner. It's still doing heavy stuff here. Now, you say that um, people have overrated this album uh, explain what you mean by that. What has been the sort of uh, debate among fans? A lot of people say, because I adore this album, because I feel like almost every song is just great, and there's a lot of just great guitar work, and there's it's really just almost like a fresh, like an opus, in my opinion. Like, you know, like Iron Down by Overkill, and that was like the first, that was like their best album in years. You know, something like that. An album that I can give to somebody and go, you want Megadeth? Here is Megadeth. This this album can get you into old Megadeth, and it, it can give you a pretty good idea of old Megadeth. Like, it feels like it is from old Megadeth, which before they still hadn't quite managed to get that level of call, like classic album. Like, this would go in my top five, and that's pretty impressive because I love Megadeth. <laughs> I do. I, I don't... There's only one album so far that I've absolutely just despised, and we'll get to that one on another day. <laughs> but yeah, like this album, a lot of people think that uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, it was good, but it wasn't that good. Y'all just need, y'all just like, just because maybe it sucked ever uh, up to then. I'm like, no, this album is really just a culmination of like the buildup that has been going. Like, this is the best album since Countdown, if not before. You know, actually, I think the Countdown's a little better, but you know, some people would put this half Countdown. I just okay. Ah, I just please him. My love for this album is just so, so great. Kind of like my love for the N64. 
right, let's it, hear it can the be first. an unpopular opinion. You let's hear the first. <laughs> Thank you. Let's hear the first song from uh, this album that Robert picked. This is "This Day We Fight." Good stuff, man. You know, if the whole album is like that, which I think it is, this is definitely, you know, it definitely reminds me of the, our podcast that we did on the New Testament, like you had said before, where, you know, it's fi- it's these, you know, these older guys, after they've done all of this experimenting and all of these trials and tribulations in a band, they're just like, you know, we're just going to go out and rock it. And they do. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this was the second track. The first track was a Dialectic Chaos, which is a quite home. Like a just pure instrumental, just pure awesome guitar work that leads into this, and it was it's just so so good. And the thing that changed in between albums is they brought in Chris Broderick, who uh, was in I think Jag Panzer, and he used I think he did some stuff in Nevermore. Ah, and decade of the nail spiked bat. What? Whenever I someone brings up Jag Panzer, I used to have a T-shirt that was. Um, that I think was for like a best of that they did. And uh, the name of the best of was a decade of the nail spiked bat. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know Jack Panzer that well. I mean, I know a few of their songs. <laughs> They're pretty solid stuff. Though. But yeah, he, uh, he did, he did some live stuff on Nevermore and he was in Jack Panzer. And as you can hear, he's an awesome guitarist and a really nice guy. Yeah. Got it. Got his signature. Nice guy. Pretty cool. But yeah, this, this album, I'm sure. Cause I know you have a pick for this one, right? <laughs> Yes, I do, sir. Okay, okay. So when I get to that, I'll get the summation. But overall, like just this, like this song alone is great. And it was in Guitar Hero, and it was a son of a bitch in Guitar Hero too. Because <laughs> I didn't expect it. To, I didn't know, realize it was that fast. It is just really fast guitar, just insane guitar work. So it was just so good. And it's a really good omen for the album. Yep. All right. Here is my pick. Um, kind of going in the same Bill Goldberg direction. Here is Head Crusher.
I mean, what do you say about that? I mean, it's just, it's ha- you know, it's, um, it's aggressive. It's fast. You know, I love the uh, the chorus there. You know, head crusher. I mean, it's just a, just Did a you great. See the video? No, I've never seen the video. Oh, you would love it. It's like uh like MMA style. This one woman's just beating the shit out of these guys. Like like an MMA, like almost it's like a dystopian MMA ring or something. And they're she's <laughs> kicking the shit out of all of them. Get Ronda Rousey to walk out to this. Only it would be arm breaker uh, instead of head crusher. Yeah, the arm breaker. Uh, that would actually be pretty cool. You know, because she's going to win all her fights by armbar. Ever. She's going to retire undefeated by armbar. Well, she certainly has to <laughs> threaten Misha Tate coming up in December. I'll tell you that much. Oh, uh, well. Uh, I'm not that excited because the last one, the last fight was good, but it ended in armbar. Yeah. Then we have to deal with Brian Caraway's ass for the next few months. Yeah, this it should be uh, this should be train wreck TV. But uh, back to Endgame. <laughs> yes, yeah. This this album, like as you can tell by the two songs we picked, it is just like insane. And even like the slower, like there's a few like you know slower tracks on here. Like Endgame is about the uh, like you know they're gonna start putting us all into camps. And put chips in our brains and make us fucking zombies. Apparently, it's based off, according to Kevin, who you know loves him some uh, what's his face? Oh fuck, Jones, Alex Jones, him. Yeah, he said it's based off something Alex Jones did. I was like, cool. Okay. No one should be yeah, listening that. to Alex Jones. Alex Jones has nothing, uh, nothing appropriate to offer to anybody. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what I think Kevin said this came for. Forty four minutes is a really awesome track. It's a uh it's got the it's got the whole people talking again, except this time it's over an inner it's over like a walkie talkie because the people are robbing a bank and this song's about robbing a bank and it does a really good job about robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The yeah, Reservoir Dogs, the musical. Yeah. Yeah, thirteen twenty is awesome. That was actually the song they released uh, free. So if you make that, if you can find it, I think it might still be available for free. Thirteen twenty is about drag race, because uh, as we've heard before, Dave Mustaine likes cars. Yeah, he, he he likes cars. So yeah, that's the thing. I bite the hands. Okay, it's not that great. Bodies or bodies left behind. It's a pretty good little song about you know war. In game we've been that. The hardest part of letting go, sealed with a kiss, is awesome. It's about a. It's, it's about a guy who's really sad, and he's like, you know, the hardest part of letting go is saying goodbye. And then it's like, okay, you're like, oh, that's sweet. And then it's like he's following her at the masquerade ball, and then he's going to fucking kill her, chain her up and kill her. That's the song. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it is, yeah it's, it's so awesome. And then we get How the Story Ends, which is a great one. And then comes one of my favorite tracks off of it, The Right to Go Insane, is pretty much I've – I've lost everything but my mind and the right to go insane. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's the song. And then, like, right around the end, like, it was pretty mid-tempo, and then it just hits, just goes super fast, and there's, like, insane guitar work. It's so much fun to listen to. Like, this album, all in all, if this is, if this, you're going to get one Megadeth album past euthanasia. Get this. This is pretty much the high point of almost, I don't want to quite say thrash, thrash in this decade, because there's some really good thrash in the, you know, the, the 2000s, because it came out right at the end of it. But this is one of the best, and it was just, it did a really good job of 
getting people back in the negative, like, you know, the old thrash hits, just got their attention and just got them wanting to buy more. Which brings us into 13. You know, they yes. did their 13th album, and they named their album 13 before fucking everybody else started naming their album 13. <laughs> and 13 is, of course, their 13th album, in case you were confused. Um, they put another song here on uh, Guitar Hero. Um, yeah. Warriors of Rock. It was uh, I don't remember which one was on there, but um, continues. I think in the same vein of the last couple of albums, where they 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 kept up the pace and they were trying for um, you know keep keep it keep it heavy. From what I could tell, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about this album? Uh, this one, honestly, I like it. I. But after it doesn't hold up to repeat listen, listenings as much as Endgame. Like you know, some albums you buy and then you're like, yeah, this is the best album ever. It's my favorite. It's one, you know, one of the best by the band. And then the more you listen to it, you kind of, you know, the the, the cream really rises to the top. Like the good, the good stuff you'll remember, and then the other stuff you're like, eh. You kind of realize that once that kind of, uh, once that new car smell goes away, it's not exactly the best. But the album itself, it did do a good job for the most part of keeping with the thrash, like there's some stuff that's more middle pace and there's 13 out tracks on this album. There should not have been a, have been that many tracks, but it is kind of cute. Their album 13 is their 17th album and it has 13 tracks and the last track is 13. <laughs> Seems a tad gimmicky. Do you think the album yeah. suffers from a lack of editing? I kind of think it does. Like, uh, like you have a song for this one or is it just me? Just you, sir. Okay, okay. So after mine, I'll give my whole album synopsis. Okay. But so let's go ahead the, uh, and listen to uh, Sudden Death.
sudden death. Good stuff. Yeah, that was the one for Guitar Hero, as you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, it was written for Guitar Hero, and then they added lyrics and put it on the album. Now, after looking, you know, just looking through the songs, because I have a pretty, I'd say, I don't want to say encyclopedia, but I have a really good knowledge of these songs, because I own these albums, and I've listened to these albums to death, because, you know, I'm a fanboy and all. But, yeah, this, you know, that song was awesome. It was a really good representation of what they have been doing, and I don't feel like they did as good a job on this one as Endgame as keeping consistent with, you know, I guess quality. Like, it's still good. It's still a, pre- a really good album. It's about as, I'd give it maybe a little better than Euthanasia. Like, Euthanasia is a pretty good album. Cause you, didn't you go back and listen to it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. D- didn't you think, I mean, Euthanasia is pretty solid, didn't you think? Going back. It's okay. It was okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why? Well, hey, that's not too bad. Yeah, that one, Public Enemy Number One, which I saw that live, the only concert I have ever been to, and that was this was the main event because I don't care about Godsmack and Disturbed was not worth Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not worth God. It was not worth Godsmack. Kind of like if I went this year, like I'm not a huge Five Finger Death Punch guy. Not. I think they're douchey and generic. Oh. And Rob Zombie. Uh, no, no, I pooped on your parade. But you know, well, no, I don't. Blame you, but I don't blame you for not liking Rob Zombie. But yeah, I'm totally going for Children of Bodom, Machine Head, and uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Behemoth aren't Behemoth aren't going to be there. That makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, I they was, had to pull. I was bummed hmm? about that. I looked at the lineup and I was like, oh wait, I'm gonna Behemoth's not going to be on this particular show. No, they're not going to be on the tour at all. Which you know, if you, you should totally read my uh, column and you know that. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep giving you hell about that. Yeah, because that was like one of my my big story. Because this week there was no real big, there was nothing. But you know, I managed to pull something out of my ass. But yeah, the drummer needs surgery, and you know, to do super fast drumming in a band, you're not gonna be ready by the summer. So they can't do the tour. But yeah, I would go for Amon Amarth, which new Amon Amarth is really good. But there, there's another contender for album I want to review, and I, I can't decide which one I want to review. I want us to review more. Am on a mark or Orphan Bland? Because I got Jeremy into Orphan Bland. That was awesome. You should. I think you'll like the new Orphan Bland. Just on a tangent, I think you will. Well, we'll it's see what happens. Less, I know we're. I know some uh, some of the stuff that we're talking about doing. The new Children of Bodom, the new Black Sabbath. We still have to do Super which Collider. Both awesome. Okay, yeah, I haven't looked at the new Black Sabbath yet. Um, I'm trying it's to good. look. I, I just added something to uh, my Spotify playlist. Uh, you know what it was? <laughs> it was a Primus album from 2011. Never mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want your uh, top five of 2012 all over again. No, I should not repeat those same mistakes. But um, that was that was awesome though. I think yeah, uh, the new Children of Bodom is actually really really good. I, I enjoyed the hell yeah, out of it that. Is. It's really good. New Sabbath is getting a bad rap because everybody's expecting it, like old Sabbath, like, you know, oh, this is going to be just as good as that, and it's not. But in comparison to what's coming out this year, it's still really good. Oh, okay. And New Amon desperately wants me to listen to the new Stone Sour. Uh, Stone Sour, okay. They're not really as much my wheelhouse as, like, a band like, you know, Amon Mars, which their new one's really, their new one, if you've listened to Amon Mars, you know what you're coming for. Yes. You're coming for Vikings and death metal and, yeah, Odin. But uh, where were we? Oh, yes, we were talking about uh, 
concerts. Yeah, I saw this uh, Public Enemy Number One. They played that live, and I just heard it like a you know really shitty phone recording of it or something before I like right a few days before. So I was so stoked because they played. This was right after the Rust and Peace tour, which you know it sucks that I missed that because you know that would have been my life in in culmination right there. Would have been like twenty years old. Oh, yeah, it would have been died died a happy man. Would have been good. But yeah, that was a really it was a really good show. I couldn't move my neck or my shoulders afterwards because all the head banging. (laughs) Oh yeah, dehydrated. Couldn't move. I was like a howitzer. That was actually the opposite of a howitzer because they don't move their legs. Yeah, uh, who life is it anyways? That song's a nice little punk, uh, nice little kind of like a punky feel because it's really fast, but it's really ironic because it's like a forty year old man singing. you know, like, oh, it's not your life. Stay out of it, you know. Sounds like something he would have come up with at, like, 19, but he's playing it now. And it's just kind of funny, but it's still a really good song. I, I like it. Uh, after that, We the People, it's so, it's solid. Guns, Drugs, and Money is pretty, it's catchy. I like that. Never Dead was made for a video game called Never Dead, and it was the best thing about that game. All the reviews I've read said it was not a good game, but the Megadeth song was kick-ass. And it is a very kick-ass song. I enjoyed it. And then uh, there's three songs on here that are actually from older albums. You've got uh, uh, New World Order, no relation to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> New World Order, yeah. New World Order and Millennium of the Blind were actually uh, tracks left over from Euthanasia that made it onto the uh, they made it onto the special edition. And New World Order was actually one of my favorite songs off of the, you know, just the entirety of the Euthanasia, you know, including bonus songs. It was a really neat song, and they managed to make it longer. And Millennium of the Blind was an instrumental with just a little intro of Dave Mustaine talking about there was the Christ and the Antichrist and blah, blah, blah. But this one takes like a weird turn because they redid it and made it kind of sort of political. And it was kind of weird. It was still really cool. And then Black Swan was a... uh, with a bonus, with a bonus track from uh, United Abominations, and they took what was a, you know a solid song and they made it awesome because like the intro instead of uh, just being kind of boring, it's just straight freaking awesome guitar work, so damn good. And then fast lanes about you know cars, wreckers about a bitchy ex-wife, deadly nightshades just you know typical fare. And thirteen, thirteen I found to be a good song. It was kind of, it was kind of a dark and somber song. And but I really I really kind of liked it. I liked that ending to the album. You know, I guess it was just a nice a nice cap on a thirteenth album. But overall, this one was not as good as Endgame. Maybe if it came before Endgame, would have liked it like in retrospect more. But I knowing guess it's what like comes, to... knowing what comes hmm. next, I feel like we're we're Megadeth is like they they hit their peak with Endgame. You know, where it was like the, the the curve starts to go up again with the system has failed, and they get to end game, and now we're gone the down slope of the bell curve. You know, thirteen not as good as end game, but still good. And then you know what's coming next. And I, if if it gets any worse than that, you're going to lose me all over again because. And this is what I want to conclude with tonight. Um, I think going back to our lost episode of the Three Beards, where I told a story I swore I would never tell in public again. Um. I don't know why I keep advertising that. It's not like anyone's going to be able to hear it. But in any case... Well, they won't be able to hear your end, yeah, no. which is the important part. Well, I, I, hey, I, ha- I still have my sound. It just won't be able to hear you guys. Um, in any case, you know what I should do one day is I should actually just, like, send to him on it, like, like, like just save it to a CD and just send it send it to him, and then you guys can rip the CD and, and put that back out again. I'll actually, like, mail him the CD. 
But um, <laughs> he put it on a flash drive yeah. and just sent it to him. There you go. Yeah, here's my shit. Do what you will with it. Um, in any case, you know, we talked on the Three Beards podcast a couple of weeks ago about the Big Four, and I said, you know, I grew up with Slayer. That was the band that I watched. I saw the most. I went to the most concerts. I had the most albums. Um, Anthrax was definitely up there. That by the time I got, I really got into Anthrax. John Bush had taken over, so it's like, you know, it's kind of hard to um, say. It's kind of hard to really validate their position in the Big Four, where they were just almost a different band with John Bush. You know, I've already said that I'm a big Metallica fan, and I have forgiven them for a lot of the unforgivable stuff that they've put out. You know, all the people they for. Yeah. Um, and I think having said all of that, I did not give Meta- I did not give Megadeth their due. One of the things that has come out of this podcast is I can now see why you like them so much. And you know, prefer- preference is preference. You know, you have your own personal taste and I have mine. Um and I'm not gonna say that they've moved out of their position. Um, they're still I, in the basement. <laughs> I would I would actually tell you that I would probably put them over Anthrax. I actually think that the way that um, the the Big Four concert went down, where it was Anthrax, then Megadeth, then Slayer, then Metallica, is probably the right order. Um, um, well, I, I I'm not going to argue because really that was in terms of popularity as well at the time. Right, and I think that that's why I said I think it was the right order. But I guess what I'm trying to tell you, Robert, is you have successfully turned me into a Megadeth fan. Good, bad, and ugly, warts and all, I can safely say that I'm going to go back and listen to United Abominations and 13 and you know all the way through and really get to know them as albums because I feel like these last couple of Megadeth albums, Sands, uh, Super Collider, were, were worth my time. So congratulations, Robert. As I have turned you into a Clutch fan, you have turned me into a Megadeth fan. What do you think about that? That actually that makes me really happy. That's that, I'm actually very excited. I really am. Like, I had that whole wave of elation over my body. I'm like, yes. Okay. Like you know, now, you like the, it's like you asked out the hottest girl in school, and she said yes, and you got that feeling. Like you know, you like admitting that you are now a Megadeth fan just makes me so damn happy. It really does say a lot about me as a as that I'm a fucking nerd. But at least now <laughs> you know. What you do like about Megadeth, which, you know, hopefully is most of the albums, and what you don't like, which even makes it even easier now. So, cause well, no, there, was only one al- there was only one or two albums where I'm like, this is atrocious. You know, <laughs> like, everything else was tolerable, um, yeah. you know, or good. And like I said, especially like, you know, going back to Rust in Peace and some of these other really early uh, Megadeth albums, I, I think like the only ones I didn't like out of the first six were... Um, killing is my business. Not was that, was that no? It was so far it was so good. So, so far what? Good. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah. Who cares? But Rust in Peace is amazing. Um, some of these other you albums. You should compare so far so good to uh, to everything after euthanasia. It's like <laughs> you, you need to compare it to <laughs> compare it to those three uh, those three like kind of yucky albums and then get back to <laughs> right. But that, that's the thing. You know, we're talking about thirteen now, fourteen albums, and four of them. Four out of fourteen, yeah. I was not particularly wazooy about. Um, that's not bad. It's not as good as Clutch, where every album is fantastic. And if you don't think so, you're a communist and a homosexual. But um, <laughs> if you're listening to the four one one podcast. But uh, um, yeah, you have me bashing the Hispanics, and then now you're bashing the gays. We're going to be in a lot of trouble soon. Eh, whatever. <laughs> um, 
But uh, what are your final words and thoughts and ideas regarding Megadeth? I mean, you know, this is kind of your last words on the subject. Why was it important to do this podcast for you? Well, for me, I really felt like, you know, before I heard Super Collider, like almost Super Collider makes this podcast, I don't want to say meaningless, but it just makes it mean so much less. Like if Super Collider would have been like Endgame, this could have been like, okay, here are all these albums, and now we know them, like the listeners know them, and they know our feelings. And, you know, here's this great album coming out, Super Collider, and it's just going to be the culmination of these great two podcasts. But really, it's just me fanboying for two podcasts, followed by the both of us grabbing our pitchforks and torches and burning Super Collider. But basically what this was supposed to be, it was supposed to be almost like a big hype show, kind of like, you know, how your Clutch uh, clutch retrospective was a big hype show for uh, uh, Earth Rocker, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like it was. It was really, it was really priming the both of us for what was to come, and that's what this was supposed to be. This was supposed to be basically just us looking back at what Megadeth is giving us and really just appreciating, appreciating it, and you know, and wait for the new album. And I'm still, I'm just actually, I think that might be one of the reason I hate this album, this new album, so much more because it really just like, it's like, it, it's like the okay, that was a short story. My grandma has never watched football. She never gotten it. And, you know, my family's huge Panther fans. My mom, me and my mom and my stepdad. And my mom finally goes, okay, you should watch this uh, playoff game. You know, they're undefeated at home. They're doing great this year. And then Jake Delone throws five interceptions and fumbles the ball. It was a shitty game. And my grandma was like, why the hell do you watch this and never watch football again? It's kind of like that. Like, this is like the one, like, you know, let's say you try to get your little brother into – WrestleMania with, uh, with, with, with into wrestling with WrestleMania 29, you're screwed. Actually, <laughs> so I guess yeah, I, I've done that before. Where I've, we've had like my wife's birthday is uh, September 24th, um, 1983. Good, she'll be happy that I remembered that. And <laughs> constantly oh transpose, I constantly transpose numbers. But yeah, she was born September uh, 24th, 1983, and we've always had people come over for her birthday. It was usually like a pay-per-view that weekend, a UFC pay-per-view. And I've always, I'll always like hard sell it with people. Like, oh, you know, this is going to be fantastic. Oh, my God. Mirko Krokop, uh, Frank Mir, fantastic. You don't, you know, oh, you no. won't believe it. Yeah. Or, no. Frank, or Frank Mir, Roy Nelson, someone's going to the fucking hospital tonight. You know, or I've had people come over for my birthday in June. And, like, last year was, like, the all-heavyweights pay-per-view and stuff. And I can't it was really tell good. you. Every almost every time that one wasn't bad, but every, almost every time I've had people come over and I've hard sold them on a show, like oh this is going to be fantastic, George St Pierre, Nick Diaz, what are you kidding me? This is going to be gangbusters. Oh. And by the end of it, people are like, seriously, why do you watch this? Yeah, that's, that's how this Megadeth album. Like, I'm actually kind of happy that we did this now because now you know, now you know Megadeth. And really, if you, when you do go back, you can skip all the yucky shit, and I think you'll actually like the good shit even more. Because you won't be like, oh, God, I just listened to fucking World Needs a Hero. Kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if we would have just went straight into Super Collider without these two podcasts, I'm pretty sure you'd be like, I'm never listening to Megadeth. <laughs> this, I, I can tell you exactly what would have happened. If you think the beating you took after your sort of you know autistic fucking description of uh, Mexicans and beer and Clamato, Clamato. was bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, the beating I would have given you over your uh, professed love for Megadeth based on Super Collider would have been nothing short of disastrous. You, it would have been like, well, this this podcast had a good run. That <laughs> would have been the end of it. It, it, it would. I would be looking like Paula Dean. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It have been like, if, yeah. if Super Collider was all I had to go on and not like listen, having listened to Rust and Peace, something like that, it'd have been like, seriously, Robert, I'm going to stop doing this podcast with you. We're done. Yeah, so it is actually a good thing we've done this because I have given you everything there is to almost everything. I don't think we listen to Hidden Treasures, but that's got some, uh, it's got a paranoid cover. It's got No More Mr. Nice Guy. And uh, it's got another track I know we'll be playing later. Yes. But uh, yeah, it, it's. I th- honestly, now that I think about it, it is very good that we've done this podcast because it's made a fan out of you, and hopefully the listeners at home, hi listeners, hi that one guy that tags us on Twitter all the time, forgot your name, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the star <laughs> he's from the casual heroes. Yes. Oh, cool, cool, always wondered who he was, hi Jeffrey. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I'm ho- I was hoping this would at least make fans or at least get them interested in Megadeth, because you know, I'm a huge fan. And I do understand people who don't like who, who don't like Megadeth because one thing the vocals do get are kind of nasally, but that's Dave. I've learned to accept Dave and love him for who he is. You know, angry, angry carrot top and all. That's Dave. <laughs> but yeah, I think pretty much what this was supposed to be was supposed to get you all hyped for a really good album, but what it ended up doing was get you all hyped for a shitty album. But at least you know I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay. So, so at least now we can understand each other's vitriol and venom at this new album. I expect a lot. I expect you to be drunk on <laughs> the podcast. I expect you to feel like your your girlfriend has just walked out on you, you know, and you're like, oh, my, my wife of so many years, we've had children and a life together, and she just up and left with the pizza man. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's how I expect you to go into the Super Collider um, review, but well, well, well see, that, that's, that's kind of thug because the first track is the best. <laughs> so I'm gonna be like, oh, like you know, this is like the best track off this album. It does this and this and this. So then, then you're gonna have me, especially when we get to the Blackest Crow, which is the damn bluegrass song. All right. <sighs> so folks, if we have you got Earth Rocker. You got Earth Rocker. That was a good awesome. album. Yes, it was. Yeah. And I have super colliders. Yeah, exactly. I got DC Sound Attack. You got fucking Super Collider. You got DC Sound Attack. I have Kingmaker, and that's about as good as it gets. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of this podcast. Um, So in two weeks, I promise, um, barring me being dragged to Bob Dylan or something, um, we will yeah, be that, that was funny. Yeah, we're doing a Bob Dylan thing, okay? And then you're like, it's actually a concert. I'm like, well, what other Bob Dylan thing would it be? A damn tribute band? Let me explain that really quick. My wife's cousin is a roadie for Bob Dylan. He's cool. a professional roadie. He's like in his 40s. He's been a roadie, you know, for all of his adult life. He's got you know wife and kids at home and all of that. In fact, I think his wife used to be a roadie as well. Um, and oh, cool. so. Whenever he comes now, he's done all kinds of gigs, but you know he's on the permanent um, list for Bob Dylan. So whenever Bob Dylan goes out on tour, his crew goes with him. That's 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 their gig. Um, and so Bob Dylan, Wilco, and um, My Morning Jacket all came to Tampa last night for the Americana tour. And the only jacket. reason why anybody was willing to go was because. We had free tickets, and the purpose of the free tickets was so that we could go see Brendan. 
That was it. That was yeah. what, now, my under, now, the reason why I was like, I'm fucking stuck at a concert was I knew we were going to a concert, but I didn't think we were actually going to stay and watch the show. I thought the purpose of this was to go backstage, see Brendan. You know, Melissa was very, my wife, was very excited about us meeting him because we hadn't met him before. Turns out I have more in common with his kid, who's 15, and into metal uh, than I do with Brendan, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I yeah. know how that happens. So, um, you know, she was this was important to her, and I was like, okay, well, we'll definitely go. But it was with the promise that we were going to leave around seven thirty, and then like we, and then I, it's the things just start going later and later, and I'm like, well, there's no way we're going to get out of here on time. And then everyone's like, well, we want to stay and watch the show, and I'm like, I need to go call somebody and let him know we're not doing a podcast tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good that you good that you let me know. I do <laughs> like, appreciate that. This, this thing got cool. delayed so much. This thing was... Yeah. Because well, it was Tuesday like, okay, we're going to... Tex- Tuesday night, my wife had just gotten home from Texas, and I actually wanted to spend time with her. She'd been gone... She'd oh, been yeah. away from her. Um, I understand. And, and then we were supposed to do... And then I said, let's do it Thursday, and your friend was supposed to be on. And so we only just delayed it twice. But the other, I guess yeah. the other side of it is we didn't do it two weeks after the first podcast because I was on vacation, and then I wanted to do Superman last week. So That was fun. That was a that fun was podcast. Fun. That was fun. And people should go back. Even though, uh, yeah, they should, even though uh, Sean can't tell me in the other rougher part, which I'm surprised. But people but should actually again, go- I don't People should actually go back to the archives of the Rattlegem Broadcasting Network and check out all of uh, the great shows. Everyone loves a villain. The 401 Ground and Pound show, uh, of course, other reviews we've done as part of the 401 Music Zone podcast, and of course, the Long Road to Ruin. All of our various movie podcasts. Um, and if you go deep into the archives, there's even some older stuff. I did a, like a parenting one with Larry a little bit, a little ways ago. <laughs> Jeff and I had like a post news discussion of when um disney bought george uh, disney bought lucasfilm so a lot of good stuff um going back a couple of months now so we've been loading up so please go ahead and check those out uh two weeks like i said we'll be covering um super collider two weeks after that um i guess we decided on black sabbath, sabbath. uh yeah, and sabbath, then children so, about um and then probably a monomarth yeah, either that or or give Orphan Land a shot and get back to me because I'm really excited about that too. Because I was actually going from like after the after Super Collider, I guess we were actually going in release date because you had Sabbath, Children of Bodom, and then you had the third album. When does uh, the new Five Finger Death Punch come out, or is there not another one coming out soon? Uh, hold on, let me look at the Wikipedia. Oh <laughs> God, you're gonna make me listen to Five Finger Death Punch, aren't you? Yup. That is not going to be good. that is not going to be a good thought. At least not in not in terms of uh, positivity. I'm not a what fan. Have? They're awesome. Get a life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the word awesome is really they come out July 30th. So once we're done with this string of albums, it'll be out. Oh wow! You know what also comes out July 30th? Chimera. Hmm. Oh, Chimera. Yeah, there's actually there's a couple of things that I wanted to do in July, but because you were you were very much caught up in wanting to do um June. Well, June had so many good releases though. I mean, yeah, uh, cuz you wanted to do Sabbath and a couple of other things, but I mean, just looking at the July calendar, you've got the new uh Phil Ensemble solo project, 
Um, you've got Five Finger Death Punch and Kimira. I don't uh, know, yeah, man. Anselmo, Trouble, Power, Power Wolf, Black Tusk. Yeah, Five Finger, Legion of the Damned. Oh my God! In September, there's a new ministry called From Beer to Inter- From Beer to Eternity. Oh man! Uh, oh man! Oh, there's a new Hyrax. There's gonna be a lot of shit, and you're gonna be off in October. <laughs> Boy, I could pull a damn Road to Ruin and like hijack the podcast. <laughs> I'll have to teach you how to use the uh, the, the studio. <laughs> you can uh, you can just do a whole bunch of these with um with uh, one of your buddies. There's a new yeah, Tarja coming out. People. Tarja Tarun um, in August. There's oh, a new Tarja, Tarja coming from, out. Yeah, from formerly Nightwish. of um, Nightwish, right. All right, so we got... Yeah, yeah, there's we'll... a lot of shit coming out, and especially once we get in, like, to the month, because I, I look at every single release coming out, like, as you'll see, in this, like, this week, there were 17 metal albums coming out in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So, like, once we get close to stuff, I'll definitely keep you uh, keep you posted on what's up. Or you can read my call, you know, which which is really good time to leave in the plugs, isn't it? Yes. All right, so that's what we're doing. Um, really quick, so Sunny Nights is the 401 Ground and Pound radio show. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be previewing UFC 162 this weekend, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, Tuesday night, are we from um, – well, no, it's not a week from today. This Tuesday, it's in a couple of days. Uh, Long Road to Ruin, we'll be doing Jurassic Park, and then two weeks after that, my wife is coming on, and we're going to do Twilight, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, oh, shut up. Uh, um, <laughs> sparkly. Women women, in, women exist, too, and they even go to the movies. Um, oh, wow. I I August August 6th is I Wrestled a Bear once, which I don't really I like the music, you. but I think I that name is hilarious. I will, I will kill you. Yeah, you're not a fan I of I Wrestle the Bear ones? I despise everything about them. They're That's those funny. fucking hipsters that have kind of invaded metal. <clears throat> I didn't really know anything about them. I just think their music is terrible. But I think their name is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, well, they, yeah, the name is actually funny. Like They seem to have a good sense of humor, but they're really, like, I hate their music. Their image pisses me off. And their fans come along with it. <laughs> So, Taurus has I an album not. coming. Wait, hang on. Taurus has an album coming out in August, and the eighth track on there is "No Good Story Ever Starts with Drinking Tea." Because fuck the British, right? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So that's going oh, on, on the Taurus Network. Out. Go ahead and plug your stuff, Robert. Okay. So well, this week I have been a very busy man. I went on uh, Sean Garmer, who I think he wants to. I'm gonna have to talk to him because he's on the other podcast. I do. We uh, do Stephen Randall's Cooperative Multiplayer Podcast, or as I like to call it, we talk about games. And then once we run out of games to talk about, I talk me and Jeremy Thomas and Sean Garmer and then Randall and sometimes Daniel Anderson. It's basically like potpourri where I'll bring up some random bullshit and it'll just keep going for an hour. <laughs> Randall was actually once he's like, yeah, we're kind of short on uh, topics, but don't worry. That's why we got Coop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Sean Garmer, I did his Wrestling to the Max podcast where I actually watched my first Raw in, like, all the way through in months because that three-hour time, that three-hour, like, timing is just brutal. We look at that, uh, NXT, which I watched for the first time. It was kind of uneventful, but, it, you know, the wrestling was good. I didn't realize El Generico and uh, Pac and, like, all those indie wrestlers were actually wrestling on NXT. So I knew they got signed, but I'm a little behind on my wrestling. Uh, we also talked video games. 
talk a lot about video games, and I don't know much about video games, at least in comparison to somebody like Randall, who plays a lot of video games. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Hammer of Doom News Report every Sunday night. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I say nice things there <laughs> when everything's nice. Let's see. Also, John Comer's Three Hours, which may or may not be ending, according to The Long Road to Ruin. May or may not be ending. That comes out on the same day as mine. We're like, you know, like buddies. We're like Colin buddies. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else? I can't think of it. Oh, yeah, The Three Beards. I almost forgot about The Three Beards. Mark would have if I forgot. <laughs> Three Beards Podcast. It is your typical morning zoo. Just... We talked about Except whatever. Except when you guys were talking about E3, where that turned into C-SPAN. Oh, that was because Kepley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was trying to, like, you know, he, I love the guy. He's a nice guy. But he was... I'm talking about the one that, that, that he, Jack the Asshole was on. Dude, I mean, I, 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 I found the conversation educational, but suddenly that show got, you guys got super serial, uh, you know, talking about the two the, game systems. Oh, yeah, well, it's because well, cause when we had Kepley, it's because Kepley was, like, he's a hardcore Xbox fanboy, and he, like, <laughs> like you remember Fletcher was like, hey, how far is a Bill Gates' hand up your ass? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was educational. And actually, this week's we get into uh, shit about the NSA, and Kevin starts just going off. I'm like, you know, I should have brought Mark here. You and Mark could have talked politics. Well, me and Fletcher play patty cake in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, he's talking about the, all that stuff, and he goes all around politastic. That's going to be fun. I mean, yeah, we have other stuff where, like, you know, drink or drunk, but we don't have any one true three. Oh, well, yeah, three beards. We just talk about whatever the hell we want to. We're usually funny. Sometimes we're serious, but we're always a good time. We are the opposite of a Cambodian hooker. <laughs> That's weird tagline. For three beards, the opposite brings- of a Cambodian hooker. Well, we're not a Cambodian hooker. You know, I should really talk to Kevin about that. You know what? I might just go post that on the Three Beards page just to be an ass. Just to be there an you ass. Go. Yeah, don't you love how I brought that full circle? He did. Very good. In addition to the Rattleism Broadcasting Network, I guest spot uh, here, there, and everywhere. Um, I'm usually You can usually find me in various uh, avenue of rantings um, on the uh, the Casual Heroes, Com. Um, I recently debuted on their movie podcast where we did a versus, Wrath of Khan versus Into Darkness. That was a fun debate. It was nice to have a debate Ooh. about movies with somebody who isn't juvenile. Um, isn't you know, I was trying to be yeah, subtle. That, that, that was a really, that was actually like intense though. Like I felt, I felt, <laughs> I was afraid for your life. <laughs> I, I, I think I'll be okay. Um, Sir. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why we have a mute button. Um, you can also check out my p- political meanderings whenever we do them. We have, unfortunately, my partner's been busy lately. But uh, there's the right hook on fromtherightradio.com. Um, oh, I wasn't finished with casual heroes. You can also find my uh, MMA rantings on the casual heroes, the last casual heroes MMA cast. We actually spent the first 20 minutes just playing various rock covers. That was fun. Um <laughs> And they uh, they deign to let me into their wrestling discussion. Nobody else on four one one wants to hear my wrestling thoughts, but the casual heroes will always I'd have be, me. So that's fun. I'd be happy to hear wrestling thoughts. Uh, you should listen to casualheroes.com, Any one of the wrestling casts that I've been on. In fact, apparently I've made such an impact on them that one of their guys brings me up in conversation when I'm not even on the show. So there you go. <laughs> you know, well, hey. I don't have to be right; just have to be remembered. So exactly, all right. it's like you picking James Tony. Exactly. 
I've already yeah, explained just I, I love the I love I love the man cave. Actually, Doctor Lambert, I'm hoping to maybe do like a Panther podcast throughout the football season with him. Huh, we'll see how that turns out. And I Please. still wish oh, I could get on. And, and that reminds me, I was on. I was finally. I'm. I'm. My exile is finally over. And I was allowed back to the man cave as we tackle oh, yeah. season one of Oz. Um, there should be a season two Oz podcast sometime this week, which gets extra oh. rapey. It's going to be a oh, uh, oh, time. I still, yep. I still wish I could get in on that damn Pacific Rim podcast. Damn it, Winfrey. You got me. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, depending on how things go, it may just be me, you, and Winfrey. Hey, that'd be, that'd be fine because you know what? You know what? Two things I love. Because I mean, you, you you know me well enough. I I love giant monsters and I love, I love robots. My my that is my childhood right there. Yep. One of the reasons why I don't hate the Transformers movies as dumb as they are, you know, giant robots destroying cities. How can you go wrong with that? But uh, folks, this has been the four one one Music Zone podcast career retrospective of thrash metal Big Four member Megadeth. We're going to go out tonight with one of my favorite songs of all time by Megadeth, despite this podcast. This is 99 Ways to Die. Be well, be safe, and be safe.